On her sixth day in Vietnam, little Patty and her bandmates climb into a helicopter that will take them to their next performance. Patty is 17 years old, and she loves these chopper rides. She makes sure to get a seat close to the window so she can watch the landscape fly by underneath. The soldiers on the chopper are in a good mood. There's lots of laughter and jokes and happy conversation with Patty and her band. It's a brief escape from the war going on below. And we were told on the way that this would be a huge day. We would do three big concerts, that it was Australia's biggest task force base and that there would be several thousand Australian soldiers there. Wow, that was, we thought this would be a good day. Sitting in the chopper with Patty is fellow Australian musician Cole Joy. He's nearly 30, uh, a good bit older than Patty, and he's a handsome, perpetually smiling showman. He lives up to the name of his band, the Joy Boys. Like Patty, Cole is a household name in Australia. They've toured together many times. He's still a very close friend and very protective of me. I just figure how lucky I was. Like when you're a young performer and you know, you're very vulnerable to all sorts of things, but I can tell you they were always wonderful to me. Of course, Cole's protective friendship means something different in a war zone. Cole Joy being on the trip is the only reason Patty's father let her go to Vietnam in the first place. He and his band are Patty's protection, and they're also her closest link to home while she's in this unfamiliar and dangerous place. The chopper lands and Patty climbs out. She sees undulating hills covered in neat rows of tall, spindly trees. There is a rubber plantation bordering the base. It's nearly showtime. We were quickly taken by Jeep from the helicopter, which wasn't far, to the stage. And the stage was very makeshift. It was the back of a truck. And we ripped into the first show. It was, you know, that's how it went. You've got to be ready all the time. On we went. The show went very, very well. It was a huge crowd, huge applause, huge everything. And it was lovely. It was just wonderful. It means so much for Patty to do this. Remember, these men remind her of her older brother, who was nearly drafted himself. She can't help but think of these soldiers as her siblings. She's been in Vietnam for less than a week, but already these young men have taken her aside and cried while telling her their stories about the war. But right now, as Patty looks out over the audience, she can just see the weight of the war lifting off their shoulders. Her music is giving thousands of service members a brief release from the most difficult experience of their lives. It's a magical thing. Her day ends with one last show. There were explosions going on before we even started the third show, coming from the rubber plantation. We were a pretty loud band, you know. We were a rock and roll band. But the explosions were louder than we were, so that's pretty loud. There were officers leaving the area of the audience. All the other soldiers were just having a great time. They didn't move. Patty kept playing through the explosions, even as it started pouring rain. But then, the band's escorting officer appeared on the side of the stage and started frantically running his finger across his throat. Which means, finish, get off, get off. We got off stage really quickly. Sirens were blasting. The rain, the people's voices saying, get into the Jeep, get into the Jeep. Someone put me into the Jeep, and just as they did, another Jeep came out of the rain, that's how I saw it. 
and it was full of Australians, four Australian soldiers. One of them got out whilst the other ones were saying, come on, Paddy, we want you to come and give us a show. We've missed all your shows today because we were out there working in that so-and-so jungle. Come on, we're going to take you to the officer's mess and you're going to sing for us. Patty didn't know these soldiers, and she didn't know where the officer's mess was. What she did know? They were trying to kidnap her. The soldiers grab hold of Patty and put her in their vehicle. But before they speed off, the Joy Boys manage to pull her back to safety in their own Jeep. And with Patty secured, the musicians race away from the battle towards the chopper. And the chopper took us directly over the battle. There was smoke, there were blasts, you know, the red and orange blasts. There were thousands and thousands of red lights, orange lights. I was told later they were the tracer bullets. It was a battle. It was obviously a battle going on. And the soldiers' faces who were accompanying us were... I I really saw the blood drain out of their faces and I knew that a tragedy was unfolding. today during the Jeep celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. From Campside Media, I'm Bijan Steven, and you're listening to Eclipsed. Before Little Patty traveled to Vietnam, she was a teenage pop star whose hit single went back and forth on the charts with the Beatles, I Wanna Hold Your Hand. Patty was a household name in Australia, and she performed regularly on Brian Henderson's bandstand. So when the Australian Department of Defense wanted a singer to entertain the troops, they called Patty. While in Vietnam, she sees a side of the war that she didn't expect. And soon, other members of her bandstand family would follow her to war. Welcome back to our series on the Australian musicians who entertained troops in Vietnam. This is episode two, The Longest Night. That night, Patty is alone in her room. The Joy Boys are housed in a separate villa. She can hear the constant shelling. The area where she was on stage hours ago is now the site of the largest battle Australians have faced so far in Vietnam. She wonders at the horrors the soldiers must be facing, the boys she considers her brothers. And the situation is even more dire, because one of Patty's own bandmates didn't make it back. In that moment of confusion when the jeep full of soldiers came out of the rain and tried to kidnap Patty, the Joy Boys had managed to pull her to safety. But Cole Joy wasn't so lucky. The soldiers grabbed him instead. Cole didn't make it to the chopper. And now that Patty's alone in her room in this darkened villa, she knows that her friend and protector is still out there with the soldiers, facing the onslaught. I had no idea what was happening. Hell had broken loose and I spent the rest of the night awake talking to um, an African-American 
who was in the lobby surrounded by lots and lots of big sandbags and two big, big guns. And he was lovely and he kept saying, honey, I've got no more news for you. But every now and again he'd say, honey, I've got bad news. You've lost one more of your boys. And so it was a fierce battle. He told me in as gentle a way as someone could that such tragedy was occurring. Patty spent the night tallying the deaths of Australian soldiers. Until finally, it was daybreak. She still hadn't heard anything about Cole Joy. At 11 o'clock, that lovely soldier called out to me. He said, come on, get your bag. Here's a jeep for you. And it was a jeep, and in the jeep was Cole Joy. And uh, he was ashen-faced, and he ran to get me. And we sat in the jeep, and we didn't talk, and uh, not a word. We'd both had a terrible night. It was only later that Patty learned what had happened to Cole that night. They kept him in the jeep and took him to the officer's mess, but he was only there for minutes. That base was worried about being attacked as well, and they issued him with a armor light gun. You know, he was with the priest, and they were giving the last rites within that tent, so he doesn't talk about that, but that was a hell of a time. It's not surprising that Patty chose to avoid the story when she returned to Australia. You can see it when she rejoins Brian Henderson and the Bandstand family for a special Vietnam episode. Patty, were you very close to the actual battle zone, to the war zone? Yes, we were, Brian. On a few occasions, we were um, close enough to stand on top of our hotel roof and actually see some action. Was this frightening to you? Were you afraid? Um, it was a little, but... Um... Patty's national profile was higher than ever. And her tour of Vietnam was such a hit with the Australian troops that the government was eager to organize more. Not long after Patty returned from Vietnam, her friend and fellow bandstand performer Kathy Wayne got her own invite from the Australian Department of Defense. And she jumped at the chance. Her cousin Kelly remembers this time leading up to her tour of Vietnam. Kelly's infatuated by her older cousin who sings on TV and who's about to go perform in a war zone. Kathy and Kelly aren't actually cousins, but Kelly says their families are so close that they consider themselves related. Kathy's mother, Nancy, and Kelly's mother are best friends. Kathy and Kelly grew up together. She was more like the older sister that would come round. Mum and Nancy would be chatting in the kitchen and, you know, being girls. The men would be off somewhere, I don't know. And we'd be in, the, in my bedroom and she'd brush my hair and we'd talk and we'd talk about makeup. You know, she'd show me how she applied her makeup for the TV, and I was just mesmerized. Apart from the fact that she's so beautiful and so pretty, she was just so bubbly and happy and excited, really excited. Patty has similar memories of Kathy. She was a very good friend of mine. Kathy and I toured together, and she was fun loving. She was shy too, but like to laugh and giggle and well kids you know so she too was a fresh-faced teenage girl with lots of love in her heart she'd asked me what it was like in vietnam and i told her that you know was that she'd enjoy it and that she'd represent her country well and she went to vietnam 
for the nobility, you know, this is the right thing to do for our fellow Australians, whether you agree with the war or not. And so in June of 1967, Kathy Wayne boards a plane for Vietnam. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We're a new show breaking down the anime and pop culture news you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) And we agree on some things, but not on everything. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. Listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. It's June 7th, 1967 at Kingsford Smith Airport in Sydney, and 17-year-old Kathy Wayne is bound for Vietnam. She says goodbye to her anxious parents and her younger brother, Mark. Her older brother isn't present because he's already in basic training ahead of his own deployment to the war. Kathy steps onto the jet, prepared to leave Australia for the very first time. She's part of an official government-sponsored tour of musicians entertaining Australian troops. Soon, she'll be headed to the very same base where Little Patty performed in the middle of a battle. The papers call Kathy a sight to gladden the eyes of Australian troops. A few days later, she's on stage at the Lascombe Bowl. It's a makeshift amphitheater boarding a runway at the Australian base at Nui Dat. There's a sweltering heat. Hundreds of Australian troops sit on a dirt berm elevated above the stage, some shirtless, others in army green khaki. She's singing Nancy Sinatra's hit, These Boots Are Made For Walking. The soldiers love it. And when she finishes, they give her a standing ovation. Later, the audience rushes to get photos and autographs with the young singer. There's this picture of Kathy on the base around the time of this performance. She's wearing a sleeveless white dress, and she's surrounded by grinning, half-naked men. While in Nui Dat, Kathy is interviewed by an army public relations officer. The man asks her if she's afraid to be in the war zone. And for the listeners back home, when you knew that you were coming here, do you have any fears at all about coming up to Vietnam with the war going on and all? No, not really. Um, one paper said that I had headlines that Kathy's a bit scared, but really uh, that's not true. I, I was um, so anxious to come to entertain everybody. I wasn't a bit scared. No. And you haven't changed your uh, point of view at all since no, you've been here? No. Later in the interview, the officer tries to coax Kathy into giving herself a compliment. He sets her up to talk about her selflessness in coming to Vietnam. Tell me, what motivates the entertainers to do this? You know, what uh, drivers behind this to give up all this money and come and entertain the soldiers in Vietnam? Kathy seems embarrassed by the question. Um, well, um, you know, I think it's uh, 
<laughs> well, in Sydney, I don't make very much money anyway, so I just wanted to come up and see. Uh, I've never been out of Australia either, and I thought I'd like to come over to Vietnam and see how it all works and everything, and and to see how the other half of the world lives. It's amazing. During her time in Vietnam, Kathy performed 15 shows. She toured hospitals and said kind words to the wounded. And according to a book about Kathy by a fellow Australian musician, she loved her time in Vietnam, just like Patty said she would. Like so many who have gone to war, she came back different than the kid she was when she left. When Kathy returned from Vietnam, her cousin Kelly thought she was more glamorous than ever. When she came back, she was very busy. Now, she'd established herself as a named artist. And she was very busy. She started to get in um, other shows. She got a uh, TV commercial, which was a big thing back in the day, VO5 Hairspray. And she did the VO5 commercial for the Hairspray, the song behind that. VO5 with Miriam, holds, with, holds in wind and never, whatever. The very cool is VO5 is that it's crystal clear. And that was coming out on a record on the cover of a magazine on a 45 piece of plastic. And it was, like, very exciting. And she did bring that around. But when Kathy appeared on Bandstand in May of 1968, Brian Henderson had a weirdly negative take on the 18-year-old's career. Well, I suppose by this time I should be used to the way show business breaks sometimes take a while to happen. But just the same, I'm sort of disappointed in the way Kathy Wayne's career has been marking time. I think she's a lot of potential, but so far she hasn't made a great deal of progress. It's certainly no lack of ambition or hard work on her part. Just one of those things, I suppose. In the meantime, she's doing just great in club work, the best sort of training, and perhaps she'll start gathering momentum soon. We all hope so. She certainly has the talent. For Bandstand, Kathy Wayne. It wasn't long after this moment that Kathy decided to do a second tour of Vietnam. But she'd be doing it under very different circumstances. This tour wouldn't be organized by the Australian government, and she wouldn't have soldiers protecting her. Next time on Eclipsed, Kathy's final tour. Eclipsed is a production of Campside Media. It's hosted by me, Bijan Steven, and written by Michael Canyon Meyer. We're produced by Lane Gerbig and Joe Hawthorne. Archival research by Caitlin Rathy, with additional research by Morgan Lee Davies. We're fact-checked by Jordan Reed. Our engineer is Garrett Tiedemann. Our theme song is by Doug Slatewin. Our executive producers are me, Bijan Steven, and the rookie contender for Data of the Year, Michael Canyon Meyer. The executive producers at Campside Media are Matt Scheer, Adam Hoff, Josh Dean, and Vanessa Gregoriadis. And special thanks to avgeeks.com for letting us use some archival audio in our trailer. If you want to say hello or what's up, drop us a line at eclipsed at campsidemedia.com. And if you want to follow me on social media, you can find me at Bijan Steven on Twitter and Twitch, but not Instagram. That's different. I mean, not really. It's just a different username. Anyway, thanks for listening. See you next time.